Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. And finally that week in May, Lauren Ambrose and Harry Haddon Patton spoke with guest host Jonathan Capehart about playing the iconic roles of Eliza Doolittle and Professor Henry Higgins in the revival of My Fair Lady at the Lincoln Center Theater. My Fair Lady received 10 Tony nominations. Midday on WNYC, you should see Lauren Ambrose's face right now. She hears her own voice. Lerner and <laughs> Lerner and Lowe's 1956 musical *My Fair Lady*, based on George Bernard Shaw's play *Pygmalion*, has not generally been seen as a controversial show until now. In the wake of the Me Too movement, the relationship between Eliza Doolittle and Professor Henry Higgins, who makes a bet that he can teach the Cockney Flower Girl to speak like a lady, has come <laughs> under closer scrutiny. Lauren Ambrose and Harry Haddon Payton star in the show, which is presented by Lincoln Center Theater, and they're both nominated for Tony Awards, and they're both sitting in front of me right now, Woo! still mesmerized by what's going on in our headphones with <laughs> the music. Welcome to Midday. Shh, be quiet. Thank I'm just you. trying to hear myself. No. <laughs> yeah, it was you. It wasn't me. Was it? I think it was you. So, well, let's just talk about the Tony right away. Were you? How surprised were you by the nomination? Uh, They're still speechless. (laughs) We knew the. I think we knew the nominations were coming up. I was very happy. Yeah, it was really. I I think of it. It's it's such a nice opportunity to celebrate everybody's hard work and the moment of knowing that everybody's hard work. Yeah, there were almost two hundred people in that theater who've collaborated to bring this thing. This yeah. monster of a show to the public, and mm-hmm. it's um, it's wonderful to be able to yeah. celebrate it and share it with them. And even the personal, you know, nomination for is is you know, there's so many people who go into creating this particular Eliza Doolittle from mm. you know the the costumes and the choreography and Bart and Harry and all the actors. Well, Harry, th- this is your. New York, your first time in the New York stage, is that right? Yeah, yeah, and first musical. And your first musical. Yeah, yeah. Wow, not bad for a first-time effort. No, I know. I know, know, follow that, right? Um, (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, I feel very fortunate. It's incredible to have this opportunity with such an iconic role. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they've trusted me with it is... um, I can't really get my head around, but I'm very grateful they did. You know, Lauren, I said as you, you came in here, when I saw the performance last Sunday, I kept looking at you thinking, why does she look so familiar? And no, I did not read the playbill. And so it wasn't until I was getting ready. It was like, of course, she was from Six Feet Under. That's why I feel uh, I, I feel like I know you. But did did you study to be a singer? Yeah, you, I studied oh. singing growing up and, yeah, and, and started as a singer and thought, that was what I was going to do, and then my, you know, career took a different turn, and I started 
But I've always been looking for something to sing in, so I'm really grateful that <laughs> yeah. I had the opportunity to yeah, finally do it. Yeah, that voice doesn't just happen. You know, <laughs> right, just, I was going to say. That requires a bit of work. It's of, amazing. <laughs> Wait, so then, given what you just said, is this the first Broadway musical you've done? Yes. Yeah. So the, for both of you, so you're both yeah. Broadway <laughs> yeah, newbies, yeah, yeah. musical newbies. Clinging to each other. Yes. Like, thank God for Harry. We thank were, God for Lauren. I'm so, so happy to be working with him. So Lauren was in in, in Six Feet Under and other shows. And, and Harry, for those who don't know this, you might know him from the British television series Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. I know you from The Crown. Uh-huh. Um, Mark Martin. And, right. And I've already <laughs> taught you this. This is your Broadway debut. This is your first <laughs> theater debut. Now let's talk about this production. The original production ran for more than six and a half years, the most successful musical of the t- of its time. But this is the first Broadway production in twenty in twenty five years. years, I think. Yeah. Why do you think it's not uh, done more often? Is it the difficulty of the staging? Um, the political it is difficult issues? to stage. It's a big. Firstly, it is a it's big massive. It's, it's a, a big thing to stage. There are lots of different locations. Literal and, moving pieces. Exactly, and I think <laughs> well, the, the original production. production had two. Turntables. Wow. And the the interval had to come at a different place to allow for the set to be moved. And so an awful lot has to go into just staging it, firstly. Mm -hmm. How do you get from one location to another? There's also a 30-piece orchestra. And just the most lush orchestrations yes. and music um, and you know Lincoln you Center's do doing it right they, they've got a 30 piece orchestra that you can even see on stage at a certain point mm. and an ensemble of 30 yes. I was about to ask there, there are a lot show. of people 30, more than 37, 37, 37 people people in the cast yeah. I think yeah um, yeah yeah. it's a busy building <laughs> <laughs> but it, I think that's the reason and the people that hold the rights to My Fair Lady obviously feel Passionate, I think, as everyone does, feel mm-hmm. um, you're passionate about the piece and want to do it properly. And you know, I think there were lots of pieces, lots of places vying for the rights to this, and we're very grateful that Lincoln Center Theatre was chosen, was chosen, and that they in turn chose us. I have to ask yeah. you because watching, speaking of that that turntable, mm. how difficult is that to perform? Where you're walking through doors and the thing is turning and you're singing and you're speaking and, and I have a bunch That's of Lauren's secret number. I have a bunch of secret costume changes that mm-hmm. happen. While the house is turning, I go into a <laughs> cupboard with my dresser and so it's like an ambulance. Yeah, it's like an ambulance. Yeah. It's an emergency at all times. And <laughs> and it's and it's rocking and rolling and I'm you know, switching things and it's it's insane and running out. Um, yeah. at first it was it was unsettling, but then you kinda get used to it. It's like surfing. It's a core workout. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> we use our we use our core. You can get a bit nauseous, but it's yeah. it's fine. By now you're used to it. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting used to it. So this production has been called a My Fair Lady for the Me Too movement. Was that intentional? I don't think you can ignore <laughs> the conversations that are going on outside. And I think right. that's the the, yeah. the beauty of doing a revival is that you, uh, you re-look at a, a piece of work that has stood the test of time and you put it into the context of whatever's going on right now outside the theater. Right. We just happened to be doing this play right now in 2018. And interestingly enough, it was chosen long before all of this. I mean, there, this, this yeah. was in the works and this was the plan. So it's it's kind of fascinating that we're, we're rehearsing this play at the time that we're rehearsing it. Yeah. Well, um, so talk about the about rehearsals. What was that like, just rehearsing this play? But then, again, like you said, this was 
chosen to be done long before Me Too became a thing. But now you're in the you're in the middle of it. And for people who know the musical or who are sitting in there and they're hearing some of the lines mm-hmm. in this context, it's a it's a little jarring. Or it can be. Yeah, yeah. it's a complicated tale. And, you know, the, the George Bernard Shaw wrote this piece about Pygmalion about uh, gender, but also about class and class equality. And um, yeah, I mean, some of the songs are are interesting to hear in this yeah. moment. I have lines like, "Why can't a woman be more like a man?" Oh, that song w- yeah. when you were performing, I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. It's like you every word. Yeah, imagine how I feel yeah. saying that. <laughs> um, out of context, it's considerably worse than I think during the show. Uh, I won't be performing it at the Tonys, but it's. Um, I think, in the context of the piece, it's a it's a very forward thinking play that Bernard Shaw's written, um, and they both have these journeys. And I think for him to have any sort of redemption at the end, I have to face these terrible lines face on and and make the most of them, so that you see him, you know, regret it slightly at the end. You know, and it's what I love yeah. about doing a revival, or you know, you you take this antique material and you're you're looking at it now. Um, Breathe fresh and, life and, into it. Yeah, and what and 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 you and you're hashing it out and doing it in the and having these discussions in the place where we should have them in the theater, mm. you know, looking at where we came from, looking at how we got into the pickle we're in. So, you know, looking at what a woman's experience was in 1911. Um, yeah, and how far we've come, mm-hmm. or not. Or not. not. Norbert Leo Butts, who plays Eliza's father, was here the other day. And, and he mm. said that you all had long discussions during rehearsals. But what were those like from your perspective? Well, they, were, they were, yeah, I mean, the normal sort of yeah, we discussions. Yeah, you sit around the table and you, you, you talk around talk There about were certain the moments in the piece. The ending is pretty iconic. and we Oh, wanted, we're going to get there. Okay, I want right. to talk about that. <laughs> but we want, you know, things like that required a lot of discussion and, and collaboration. I think that's what was great, is that um, Bartlett Cher, our director, and Andre Bishop um, from the Lincoln Center Theatre, they've, they've set up this building that is so collaborative and anybody can have an opinion and chip in and, and um, Bart's open to everybody's ideas. He, he welcomes the children into the theatre. Yeah. So everybody is, um, it feels like a real family. And, uh, and a really great collaborative yeah. place and space and yeah, and our better halves are allowed to have yes. an opinion and yeah. Bart really oh, listens what? to them. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. is allowed to pitch in, and it that's where good creative work comes from collaboration. That's interesting. Have your better halves chimed in during these these discussions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like outside of rehearsals, yeah. but absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, um, I, sh- I should reintroduce the audience to to the two fine people sitting in front of me, Lauren Ambrose and Harry Haddon Payton, both starring in My Fair My Fair Lady at the Lincoln Center Theater, both Tony nominated actors, both in their fir- first Broadway musicals. I, Lauren, I know you've been on Broadway before, but this is your first fir- music first music musical. Too. So I have to ask you, Lauren, your Eliza seems to be much more in control of her own fate than some of us may remember. In, as we've said before, this is set in the, the early 20th century, 1913. But you've given her, or have you, let me ask the question yeah. rather than assert this. Have you given her, Eliza, a 21st century sensibility? 
I, you know, it's interesting. People people have asked me that. I, I I don't think I have. I, I I'm look. You know, I I read the I read the play and I read I read the book and I hear the music and I I'm doing it the way I do it and serving and the text. Serving the I text. It, it's you know, people say that it's everything we're doing is in the text. You know, everything we're doing is right there. It was interesting. You um you introduced us uh, at the beginning and you said it's it's a play about a show about this man who takes a, a woman and transforms her or something like mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. and um, it's interesting that that's how people think of this show because when I first looked at it and read it I what immediately struck me was how she and you know, she hears him talking in Covent Garden about language and he tosses her a few coins they have this interaction and what does she do with that money she goes to his house the next day, she seeks him out and she says, I'm here for lessons. She does this act of bravery and this very ambitious move, um, which is astounding to me. And then that starts Would you say off- that's a, a feminist move it's, by the way we think about it, it today? It certainly has a, a lot of agency. To She, right. she absolutely shows mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. out of her class, out of her realm, out of her depth completely. She doesn't belong in this fancy... Uh, apartment on Wimpole Street she shows up and she's she's ready to better herself she's she's got her coins in her purse and she's here for lessons and right. that's very moving to me and uh, uh, I think it says a lot about when it was first done that the imagery we have of it is of right. Bernard Shaw and as Higgins as puppeteers of this of this right. girl, young girl. What if we? But it's interesting. But it's what not if what we Bernard placed? Shaw had intended. It's hmm. not what he wrote. No. And that he's so forward thinking. It's, it's also also always pushed to be a romance by you know from yeah. the very first productions of Pygmalion. It was always being pushed into the direction of a romance, which again was not necessarily the intention of the it's piece. It's not what the lines say. It's not what the lines say. It's what it's very clear when you read it, and so it's just interesting what we've placed upon it as a culture. Yeah. So, Harry, I have to ask you, you are younger than a lot of the actors who have played Henry Henry Higgins. How do you think that's changed the dynamic between Henry Higgins and Eliza Doolittle? It was a very deliberate choice, I think, from Bart, but also from Bernard Shaw, who in the stage directions described him as 40-ish, right? So I'm, I'm nearly there. But it's, <laughs> um, you know, he's not an older statesman in Bernard Shaw's eyes. Mm-hmm. But Bart, I think, definitely wanted us to enter as equals. Um, and that's what you've got. Yeah. You've got two people who are facing eye to eye, head on, and we spend the play sort of going at each other mm-hmm. and then ultimately ending as equals as well. I think there's a journey, a journey mm-hmm. that Eliza definitely makes to hold herself as an equal uh, yeah. in her own eyes with Henry Higgins. And that's that's, to me... I know you said you'd talk about the end mm. later, but that that's that's uh, to me the goal of the end is that that she can hold herself as an equal. Whose whose journey is, is more profound? We go into seeing My Fair Lady, thinking that we're going to see Eliza Doolittle make this enormous transformation from Cockney flower girl to princess from mm. <laughs> from mm. Hungary, um, um, and yet. It seems as though Henry Higgins is some is a character who maybe has had more of a the, the interaction has had more of a profound uh, impact on him. I think probably on both their lives, it's been a big uh, transformation. I think what's interesting about this play is that it's sort of two 
different to a different place. Mm. You know, in a lesser production, you would see the girl be transformed into a princess, and then that would be it. Mm-hmm. You know, like in um, in Greece, right? <laughs> <laughs> she's in her leathers. She's togged up. She's become what he wants her to be. Right, He's pants. happy. Uh, <laughs> but this, what Bernard Shaw does, is takes it in a completely different direction and, and poses some really interesting questions about. Where does she fit now? Right. How is she going to survive now that he's changed her into something where she doesn't belong? And when she leaves, that puts Henry on a different trajectory as well. So um, I think they both have big transformations. Yeah. And at the end, it's, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I don't wanna... Okay. Since we t- let's talk about the ending. Well, I, was, I would just also add, you know, it seems like, yeah, you could say that the, the transformation is done by act, by the ball. But then but then in Act Two is when she really that that's when I think I realized, oh, this is when her true transformation begins. Mm-hmm. Like she literally, to my mind, she flies. She flies away because they're mm-hmm. there in Henry Higgins, um, the I guess the, the live study. The, the, yeah. the study and they're having that conversation and. Just when you think that they're going to live happily ever after, she turns and well, little... we don't want to give away the ending. Well, I mean, we've already <laughs> been talking. I mean, yeah. I didn't give it away this time. I did not give it away. <laughs> Harry gave it away at the very beginning because oh, no. you said you, she went away. Uh... Well, no, it's in the the story. Our story, <laughs> yeah. like, leaves us as equals. <laughs> is what I meant. We don't necessarily need to give away the ending, but we can say that she. I, I, like I said, uh, that she she is now an equal, and there's there's an, also an interesting theme about how uh, a student has to sort of Sur- oh, you surpass know, the teacher, surpass the teacher, yeah. surpass your guru, and 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 uh, guru fi- find your own find your own path, um, and then of course what has Eliza? Of course she he's given her so much, but what what has she taught him? And hmm. and Bernard Shaw like his his perfect ending in his eyes was that they would the three of them with Pickering would live as bachelors the three of them as equals right because marriage lowers marriage her status lower yeah she would have to she would be identified be through a by belonging him. I would be I'd be if I were to marry Henry Higgins if I were to marry Freddie I'd become I mean that's the pickle of you know she gets she gets the the mannerisms and the veneer of the fine lady but now what now she's this frankenstein she doesn't fit in anywhere she's sort of a woman without a country she doesn't have a place to go with, with it, she doesn't have the income that people would need of, in that society which they would get from their husband from their like. husband and then you know and that's and that's sort of the thesis that Alfred Doolittle the father played by Norbert Leo Butts mm-hmm. uh, is <laughs> is uh, talking about in, in his scenes, he's talking about how he has so much more freedom. And indeed, she, as a f- young flower girl, had way more freedom in the world than she does by the time she's been transformed into a lady, mm-hmm. um, which is what she wanted. You know. So I've got to ask you, Lauren, about learning the accents. Sure. Um, as an American coming to this role, how did you how did you do it? How did you go about it? We had an amazing dialect coach, Liz Smith, who's a legend, yeah. and she is uh, very talented. And she worked with all of us, not just me. Even Harry had to learn. <laughs> Wait, some you had things. to. You, <laughs> you I had, got notes. You had she to. You had to improve notes. your English. Yeah, yeah, I did definitely. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a professor of dialect and phonetics. Yes. So he has to be the best Precise. speaker in the world if he's teaching someone else. Right. Uh, were you horrified by the things you learned that yeah. you didn't know? A little bit, such yeah. as. Um, uh, oh, I say uh, no, but instead of I always say but or just instead uh. of just or but. Um, necessary instead of necessary. You know, small things that no one might... You had to unlearn necessary. I had to unlearn necessary. Oh. And say necessary. Oh. If they were, if the marbles were necessary for Demosthenes, they're necessary for Eliza Doolittle. Things like that. And that is the detail that Liz would go on. Yes, she's amazing. Which is amazing, yeah. Yeah, very grateful for her work. I, I, but it was a lot to get my mouth yeah. and my I mean, jaw, my American jaw around. It was, you know, definitely a, a muscular act. So and, w- uh, wait, did Liz, did Liz Smith put marbles in your mouth <laughs> to, to make you make it all happen? <laughs> no, Harry, Harry does that on stage nightly <laughs> for me. And yeah. um, no, uh, but. We did, uh, I did a lot of, I listened to, uh, watched some EastEnders, listened to Adele talk. Um, And also I had the privilege of having Harry and Alan and Dame Diana Rigg in the room who could, I I let them just have free reign of correcting me (laughs) at all times. I said, when I sound, when it sounds fakey fakerson, just kind of hit me in the back you of the came, leg. You arrived ready as well. Lauren <laughs> no. had clearly done a lot of work beforehand. Mm-hmm. Just Re- what, just listening to EastEnders, really. Yeah. <laughs> really quickly, Harry, I have to ask you this mm-hmm. in less than the minute that we have left. Okay. When you when you were singing um, Why Can't a Woman Be Like a Man, I remember it was the Rex Harrison version. It seemed very chauvinistic and angry, but your version seemed rather plaintive. To me, okay. not as show, not as not as chauvinist. Am I put, reading too much into uh, this? I think it's a que- he's questioning it. You know, he's in in right. his head. He's trying to work something out. Um, he's not necessarily angry about it. You're he's really frustrated. Asking the he's asking the questions. And why? What? What? Why can't yeah. a woman be more like me? As in, he's starting the the question of what's wrong with me? Why am I not like this? <laughs> and that's where he ends up. Do you want to join in? I can hear some can music hear going on in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I've been speaking with Harry Hayden, Harry Haddon Payton and Lauren Ambrose about their starring roles in the Broadway revival of My Fair Lady at Lincoln Center Theater. Lauren, Harry, thank you both very much for being here. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Hardly happen. How kind of you to let me come. Now once again, where does this rain? Where's that nasty blade? 